Hi, it's Jen. And I'm Audrey, and this is the Murky Motherhood Podcast, the podcast that tackles the tough questions we all have but don't want to talk about. So grab a cup of coffee and maintain your speed limit, and let's navigate these murky waters of motherhood together. I'm so excited to welcome our very first guest to the show. So this is a new thing for us, and we really love the way it turned out, and so I think we're going to do it more. But today's guest is a very special person. Um, I know that mothering and parenting is hard enough, but doing that while facing cancer, I can't even imagine. So I hope you enjoy our very first interview with Laura McGregor. Hey, welcome to the podcast. We are excited to bring you a very special guest today. We have guests now? We do. Oh my gosh. We have moved past Just the talk- two of us. But aw. And now we have a guest. People want to hang out with us and hear what we have to say and hear about our friends. They awesome. do. Well, this guest, um, she is related to me, so she has no choice. No, I'm kidding. Did you pay her the big bucks to do this? <laughs> so um I'll give you a little bit of background and then we will have her kind of introduce herself as well. So today's guest is Laura McGregor from Hope Scarves and also a brand new podcast that she just started, which is very exciting. Um, Welcome she, to the club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she has been on so many influential women's lists. She is um, a fundraiser, queen of all. She has raised so much money for metastatic breast cancer research. Um, but most of all, she is my older, a little bit older girl cousin, and we grew up with all boy cousins and we were the only girls. <laughs> and so we, um, I always have looked up to Laura, everything Laura did, like, what did she wear and what sports was she playing? And <laughs> I always loved, um, to kind of see what she was doing. And so, um, since she started a podcast recently, in addition to all of her other things, I thought, she fits in perfectly and, and her unique story of kind of mothering through a challenging season for sure, um, would be a great guest today. So welcome Welcome. to Murky Motherhood. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so honored to be your very first guest. Yeah. Maybe our last, depending on how it goes. No, no, I'm fantastic. (laughs) They're going to be knocking down the closet door after this. Yeah. On your podcast. That's funny. I do actually listen to a podcast that I love and they tried to do the interview thing and they were like, it just is not working and they've never done another one. (laughs) No, I think we have lots of people want to hang out with us. We do. For sure. We have a line out the door. We're actually just doing back to back to back today. So we're all sitting out in the the backyard waiting for us. (laughs) Next. Next. Take a number. Well, tell us a little bit about you and um, kind of my murky motherhood. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I for sure live in a a world of murky motherhood. Um, I am excited to have the chance to talk um, on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, But I guess my story as it relates to this specific part of my story is, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 30 years old and seven months pregnant. 
and I had a two-year-old at home as well. And um, I mean, a cancer diagnosis at any point is a blow, but it certainly was very unexpected with, um, you know, we were in the midst of, um, you know, welcoming this new baby. I had a great job. We were renovating this old historic home. Um, trying to potty train a two-year-old, like just, I was, you know, I was in a great place and I went in for my regular checkup with my OB and, you know, as you do with like a long list of things I wanted to talk about. And one of which was almost as an afterthought was this discomfort I had in my left breast. And luckily he was immediately suspicious and sent me for a biopsy that same day, which at the time I thought was like, really big inconvenience because I only had like a couple hours with Will's, mm-hmm. you know, parents day out and I wanted to go to Target and I was like, this seems like a total overreaction. But, um, he, luckily he was really, um, very insistent that I, I, mm-hmm. I moved quickly and long story short, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer and, um, started treatment right away. Um, had, four rounds of, of chemo while I was pregnant with Bennett and a lumpectomy. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was really a crazy time in our life to be facing this diagnosis and, um, going, you know, from trying to pick out the colors in our nursery to understanding all the terms associated with breast cancer and just the fear that comes with all the unknown of this diagnosis. Um, and I had four rounds while I was pregnant, which, uh, was not even aware it was possible, but, mm-hmm. um, they yeah, wanted to do that. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy. The decision is very unique for every, you know, every person diagnosed with cancer, but it's more common than you realize. There's actually an organization called Hope for Two that is established wow. to create mentor pairs between women who are diagnosed while pregnant and others who have faced that same, you know, diagnosis. So yeah. I'm a mentor through that organization and, um, more people than you would realize, especially those that have an an estrogen driven cancer, because when estrogens Mm -hmm. are late, you know, pulsing through your body when you're pregnant, it spurs the cancer to grow too. So I had um, a friend that I had kind of grown up with. She had the same thing. She was pregnant and she found out she had cancer and I'll never forget that picture that my, I was at work. I remember. And my mom, this was like back before Facebook and stuff. Like it was an email chain of like mm-hmm. the baby's here and you're kissing Bennett and you mm-hmm. guys are both bald. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I was like, I got to take a minute. <laughs> because it was, I mean, that's like such a powerful image, but, but yeah, to know two people in my life who have been through it, it's, but that just goes to show you, right. That we always think like, Oh, everyone's fine. And it's like, no, people are fighting battles every day that we don't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it was a crazy, I really feel like a cancer diagnosis for anyone is a little bit of living in like an alternative reality. You're mm-hmm. just, you know, your days are spent, you know, your schedule is, is dictated by your treatments and your appointments and your scans and just like all this, it's like a, it's like a part-time job to have cancer. And, um, yeah. You know, we kind of lived through that for a year of treatment and chemo and reconstruction. I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction and just um, faced, you know, faced all of the treatments with hope and determination. And um, we were surrounded by friends and family who loved us and cared for us. And, you know, it was a, it was a time though that changed me as a person and as a mom um, because it was just 
it was, it really made me reevaluate priorities and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the gift of each day. Um, You know, I think back to, like, if I look through that experience through the lens specifically of motherhood, you know, which is, you know, we're talking about here today. um, I remember being so angry and, and frustrated that I felt like I was like denied this time Mm -hmm. in my life. You know, you only have, I mean, for most people, it's not many times that they're, you know, fortunate enough to be pregnant. For me, it was just twice. And I just, I I just felt like this was this special time that I was going to, you know, that I was carrying this baby, that I was going to have a newborn, you know, maternity leave and nursing and just like the, all of the joys of motherhood that I had experienced with our first child. And I just, it felt like it was just ripped away from me Mm -hmm. doing it all in the midst of the fear of cancer and the surgeries and the chemo and I had to be really, really intentional about like not allowing that fear and that sadness to overwhelm the experience because there were still so many beautiful moments of welcoming him and being his mom, um, you know, in between feeling terrible and, and not being able to breastfeed and just, it was like just such a different way of parenting. And I think that it took a while for me to like embrace that I, I couldn't change the fact that I was going to go through all this as a young mom. And, you know, his first year of life was going to be so completely different than my first child's, but that I had to be really, really purposeful of not letting the sadness and the anger and the depression of the circumstance permeate the experience because there was still yeah. so much joy and love and laughter. Sure. You know, it was just a different way of looking at it. And, you know, I think that's true for, parents facing any kind of adversity through that, you know, it's not when it doesn't unfold the way you picture it. And, you know, I certainly didn't picture any of that happening in that first year, but, you know, I had to be really, really, I had to work really hard at finding the joy that I think came really easily as a new mom with Wills. Right. Um, But it was still there. And it was, um, you know, maybe after I, I came to recognize that it was maybe even more powerful because I had to fight to find the joy and I had to fight to find the hope that didn't appear in the midst of all the treatments and everything. But he was born healthy and happy and um, was a gift. I mean, really was such a gift in the midst of, of all of that. And um, he, the funny part I should add is that he had um, – we had a drug called adromycin cytoxin, which is this mm-hmm. like bright red chemo and they call it the red double. So he and I had four rounds together while I was pregnant with him. And I can remember them, you know, pushing the drug. It's they have to like do it by hand. Um, mm-hmm. And just it's like, like Kool-Aid red. It's like Kool-Aid oh. red. And yeah. they put it, you know, through your vein. And I just had my hands just resting on my belly, you know, feeling him kick and thinking like, what in the world is happening right now? Right. You know? Um, but he had these four rounds of chemo and then when he was born, he came out with bright red hair. Oh, how funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which was like not ever what I pictured a child of mine looking like. My husband and I have brown hair. Like, yeah, like dusty brown. Yeah. I mean I was like, uh, okay. Like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we talked to the oncologist about, you know, like the side effects of him because he was getting the chemo with me and it, it, yeah. it was, you know, he may have dry skin, he may not have hair. Um, you know, what was this going to look like 
what was this going to, you know, how was he going to be impacted? So we like talked about all this, but never had anybody said, well, it might turn his hair red. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, we don't really know, but it was really um, kind of just a moment of laughter in the midst of all of the sadness and worry. And um, he certainly has lived up to the, you know, affectionately known in our family as the little red devil. And, um, <laughs> I do think he carries, carries off the red hair pretty well, um, yeah. but it's like bright, bright red. So it is and, it's still, it's still and red. he's, he's yeah. like so pale too. Yeah. Like Will's is tan so easily. And Bennett's always got like the long sleeve swim yeah. shirt and yeah. yeah, really, really pale skin, tons of freckles and bright red hair and blue eyes. I okay. mean, like, I, and sometimes still like, I'll be at like a, you know, like a concert for school and I'll be looking at all the children and I'm like, oh, that's mine. The redhead. That's so funny. Like, I'm yeah. like, I can't, it's like still like occurs to me that like, that's so, that is so silly that yeah. I have a redhead, but that's I love so it. Funny. It's just a great yeah. reminder of his, you know, fiery personality and just yeah. everything that we endured together, but he'll yeah. be 12. I mean, he'll be 12, um, this year. So crazy 12 years ago that we went through all that together. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. you feel like, Cause I remember watching you go through it and I don't know if I ever sent anything, but I, I really deeply wanted to just be like, it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure, like everyone's watching you, right? Like everyone's watching, how do you respond to this and mm-hmm. how, what kind of attitude do you have? And I know even when my mom was diagnosed, like I had a way of like an expectation for myself, how I thought I should be acting or responding. And when I found myself there and I was like, oh, well, this is not at all how the nice, like, you know, person that I envisioned myself being, did you feel like even more pressure because everyone was like watching you and how is she going to react? And, or did you just like, I do what I have to do? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is like there's this pressure. I think a lot of cancer patients feel that somehow they have to be inspiring. Like yeah. they are, you know, cause people say you're such an inspiration. It's, um, and sometimes you're like, well, I'm not feeling very inspiring or, you know, right. I can be a total bitch. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is not, um, and you're and going through something. It's not your job to like inspire right. someone. Right. Yeah. You signed up for it. Right. I mean, I think like, I think probably I, when I was going through it, I felt, I felt less pressure because I felt empowered by so many people caring. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like when I walked into the oncologist appointment, though I might be just by myself, like I felt like there was like this like army of people around me. Mm-hmm. And that was made known by the way people like responded to posts, uh, you know, sent cards or, you know, encouraged me and, showed that they were paying attention, you know, like, I feel like sometimes cancer can feel really isolating Yeah, and you feel like it, you know, you can be like in a room full of people and who love you and care for you, but at the same time, none of them really get it. Right. And it's a really, it's a strange feeling to be like, feel surrounded and feel isolated at the same time. And so, you know, I feel like for me, the powerful, like support of people caring about the journey and the story and checking in on me was like that outweighed any pressure I felt to be mm-hmm. inspiring. Yeah. But I also had to really give myself grace mm-hmm. as a mom mm-hmm. because I had such, I mean, I had expectations, you know, like I had, a, I had an idea of how I thought this, my life was going to unfold and how I approached 
motherhood and none of that was working out for me. I mean, I, and so I had to give myself grace that I wasn't able to be the mom that I wanted to be to my two-year-old because I was, you know, didn't feel well. And I had to, I had to allow like my mother-in-law to plan the potty training schedule. And it was different than how I was going to do it, but I needed to let go of it because I couldn't do it. And so, um, but I think there was a lot of like acceptance in just not being the mom I wanted to be to my children. And then also realizing that it didn't really matter because I was going to hug them. And I, you know, I was going to read, read to them at bedtime and I might fall asleep before them because I had such bad fatigue, but I just showed up. And then all the things we try to do as, as moms, it really just comes down to loving them. Yeah. especially when you're like ripped of the ability to do all that extra stuff, you are aware of how important just loving them is and Mm -hmm. giving yourself grace to not be able to do all the things that you try to do and to allow people to help you. I mean, yeah, that was really a big lesson for me. It was really hard to accept help. And I think that's something for moms, we, regardless of if you have cancer or if you have, yeah. you know, we've, like it's we've not, talked about that an awful lot around here. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, like it's not a sign of weakness to be like, I need help with this. Or, you know, it's like, we've got to all help each other as moms and we've got family and friends who, you know, can help us. And that that's, that's from, I mean, I, I, I have to like follow my own advice because I'm not, it's hard. It's hard for me it to is. accept help, mm-hmm. but, um, my mantra for 2020 is to give love and receive love. Mm-hmm. And because um, I'm really good at giving love and it's harder yeah. for me to receive. Nope, and so that. yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And I think that's really important for moms to realize as well. Yeah. And I think we get that genet. Now, I don't know if it's genetically, but like our family tree is very much like, you know, do, do, do as much as you can. I don't need any help. It's fine Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And we've talked about too, like wanting to kind of break that cycle for our kids and be like, Hey, it's okay to ask for, ask for help. It's okay to not have all the answers. Um, and it's okay to, to speak out when someone doesn't do something they should do. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I think that's kind of a generational thing too, where it's, I think this generation, we're kind of like, all right, we're going to ask for help. We're going to not have all the answers. Whereas, I don't know. I feel like my mom always had all the answers. Right. Well, and I feel like it wasn't okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, like everybody, like there is such, and I don't know if it's just because like, you know, when you get a red car, you see all the red cars on the street. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, everybody's being vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. It's so, it's like, it's so chic right now. And, yeah. um, I, Brown. yeah, I just like, it's so like, it's so, um, there's just so many people who are, you know, representing this idea of like, I'm a strong person and I'm vulnerable and yeah. I am broken and that these things are not, they don't exist in opposite of each other. They are the same. And that yeah. is how I, those those are the things that I am like so passionate about talking about because I am equally broken and whole at the same mm-hmm. time. And that is not, you know, I, that is not how I looked at life prior to my cancer diagnosis. I was very much like broken, fixed, yeah. you know, like sick, well, like, mm-hmm. you know, like beginning, 
end. Like there was always like this, like black and white of like solving the problems. And there is just in the way I live now and the way I approach things and the way I parent isn't, it's just not as black and white. It's very, it's murky. Murky. It is. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Nothing is rarely is anything like black and white. And I grew up the same way too. Like everything's black and white, this or that. And I find that my brain has a really hard time when there's like, someone said to me, two things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard to, mm-hmm. to do that. Perhaps this is why we all wear gray everywhere. Right. Exactly. Look at it. That's my favorite I mean, color. I'm, I'm all gray right now too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like Heather, every color, Heather, Heather, Navy, Heather, yeah. purple. Like I just want everything to be grayish color. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So you, so you were diagnosed with cancer, you went through all of this, um, and then tell us a little bit about how Hope Scarves came to be. Well, shortly after I was diagnosed, a woman named Kelly, who was just a friend of a friend, sent me a box of scarves and a note that said you could do this. And it meant so much to me to get these scarves from Kelly because I, you know, here I am like pregnant, renovating a house, working. I hadn't even given a second thought to losing my hair. And so um, they were really practical, but also knowing this other young mom had worn them and was encouraging Mm -hmm. me was really inspiring. And I I just loved her scarves and wore them throughout my treatment. And when I finished treatment, I asked her for her address to send them back. And she said, just find somebody else who can use them. And so I met a woman named Roberta from Pittsburgh and I gave her the scarves and I realized in that exchange, not only how much those scarves meant to me, when I was diagnosed and I needed to wear them, but how the act of passing them on to Roberta gave me this opportunity and share my strength with her and in doing so start to heal. And that exchange of receiving the scarf and passing it on um, just sparked this idea for me of creating an organization where we could um, find ways to do this for other women. And so Hope Scarves was born of that exact moment and that exact experience. And Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a business plan and created a logo and a website and started in my spare bedroom of my house. And it grew as momentum grew and more people were interested and wanted to tell their stories and share their scarves. And now um, we're an international nonprofit organization. We've sent over 14,000 Hope Scarves to That's every awesome. state in 27 countries. That's cool. And our oldest recipient is 97, and our youngest is less than one. Aww. I know. Well, that and, just broke my heart. Yeah. I think the scarf was more for her mom. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's yeah. okay. I mean, it's been beautiful to see how it's evolved over the last eight years to – um, be what it is today. And we share hope scarves in three ways. So we have a personal request program where you can request a scarf for yourself on our website, hopescarves.org, a gift request program where you can send a scarf to someone, you know, facing cancer and include a personal note as a meaningful way to support them through their treatment. And then we have a partnership program where we have scarves in hospitals and cancer support organizations around the country. And um, we actually have one in St. Louis yeah. SSM Health. St. Mary's. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, so we have 37 partnerships in 15 states. And um, so and it all carries that same simple message that that first scarf 
um, I received from Kelly. It was just this, um, every scarf has a survivor story and words of encouragement from someone else who's faced cancer and scarf tying instructions. If you want to wear it as a headscarf or around your neck or however you want to wear it. And then our hope is, is that after you wear the scarf, if you want, you can return it to Hope Scarves and add your story. Mm-hmm. And then it'll go on to someone else facing cancer. And so some of our scarves have already been to four different people. Oh, wow. And um, then when you share your story, you get a report that shows where your story and your scarves have gone around the world. So you kind of get like an annual snapshot of where your scarves have gone and your stories and um so some of our scarves and stories have gone to like 50 people all around the country. Wow. That's cool. And so it's just like the sisterhood of the traveling scarves yeah. um, or like a really beautiful chain letter. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that is Hope Scarves. It's been a an, an really powerful way for me to turn my experience into something meaningful to help other people and given me a creative outlet to, you know, professionally um, make meaning out of my experience and, and just help other people. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's hope scarves has grown so much too. I mean, you have this beautiful office now mm-hmm. and, and everything. It's so cool. It's yeah. It's really and I think, fun. you know, like the mission of hope scarves is kind of like, we're in this together and that's what Jen and I, we wanted to start this podcast because yeah. it was like, Hey, look, we're struggling through it too. We yeah. don't have all the answers and, Let's figure it out together. Let's yeah. be there for yeah. each Isn't other. Isn't that what our tech, our headline tech? I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. Well, there's power. There's power in finding common ground. For sure. And yeah. whether that's, you know, like struggling through like all the craziness of motherhood or facing cancer or, you know, whatever it is that you're in, it's really meaningful to find other people who get it. And I think, um, you know, you realize you're not alone. You're like, oh, wait, you feel that way? Like, For you sure. have that same? I can remember the first time I was nursing Wills um, with my friend Gia. And we, like, were, we were, like, literally, like, sat on the bed next to each other and just, like, started nursing our kids. And her daughter um, pooped all over her. And I, and, we, and I was like, oh, my God, it has happened to you. Like, I thought I was the <laughs> only person that that's ever happened to. And, I mean, we just, like, it was, like, this, like, powerful moment of, like, we both just, like, broke down. And we're like, oh, my God, this is so hard. But we had never allowed ourselves to be like, yeah, I got this. I'm breastfeeding. It's cool. You know, like, yeah. we were trying to, like, hold it together. But, like, mm-hmm. the minute her daughter, like, had this, like, explosive diaper, we just <laughs> both, like, became – you know, so vulnerable, but also just like connected, right? Yeah. Because we, like, we were, they had so many things to share of our experiences. And I mean, it was like, oh my God, okay, I'm not alone. And you know, that's, that's important for whatever you're facing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've been, your nonprofit sounds like it's doing amazing things and you're now wanting to start a podcast. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I have this new project because I'm just like, I'm, I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's good. That's I'm going to do You're something okay. new. Um, yeah. It's not enough. Um, but no, really, what's exciting is, you know, so Hope Scarves is eight years old. And I, it's like we have a staff and, you know, a really solid mission and vision for where we're going in the organization. And I realized that for the sustainability of the organization, it needs to not lean on me as the founder. And I'm not leaving it, but I really want to empower it to exist beyond me. And so I also had like all these creative ideas of things that I could do beyond like 
trying to figure out how to run reports in our Salesforce database <laughs> or like change ink cartridges, which yeah. I do still have to do, but like, I wanted to do, you know, even more, I wanted to do even more and um, really be creative. And just like Hope Scarves was the thing I like, I couldn't not do um, when I started it. I just had this, these ideas um, for my hopeful life, which was something I just like, I was kind of burning inside me. And so my hopeful life is an extension of Hope Scarves and the name of my blog that I've been writing for the past five years. But now instead of just being a blog, it's actually like its own initiative um, as an extension of Hope Scarves. So it involves um, a website, myhopefullife.org, where the blog is now posted, as well as a film that we um, did this past summer on my story and the podcast called A Hopeful Life and speaking engagements. So I'm really hoping to do um, some public speaking around the country and, and share my message of, of hope and living life over adversity. Mm-hmm. And then I'm writing a book. So, awesome. so you're not busy at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> and she so, has boys yeah. in sports and your husband travels and yeah. Yeah. I uh, know. Maybe we should like, get her a puppy or something. Right. Oh, something they have keeper. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, I don't know. I live with a sense of urgency that um, didn't, you know, I mean, I think, I don't know, Audrey, you could probably like attest to this. I've kind of always been a go-getter, yeah. but I, I think since living with cancer has just made me like, I want to do all the things. I want to go to all the places. I want to experience. I want to like fulfill all my dreams. If I have an idea, I don't really like sit on it as long as I think yeah. I would if I wasn't living with cancer. And so I want to do more. And I, I really feel like I love write. I love writing. I love talking to people. So the concept for the podcast is me interviewing. So hopefully I, I do a good job at interviewing all different people who are living a hopeful life. And Mm -hmm. that might be in the way that they face cancer or other, you know, challenges in their life. Um, And then just talking about all different topics kind of around how we live a hopeful life. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was at a bar class um, yesterday and this woman next to me did not have she only had one leg. So she had a prosthetic leg and she was like killing it on the squats. And I'm like, golly, that is impressive. (laughs) And afterwards I was like, I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated like working out next to you. You're really impressive. And your leg is beautiful. It was like this like work of art. And um, it was just like, I think it was custom. It was so pretty. And I just was talking to her and I was like, what's your story? Like, I just, I, and we started talking and I was like, well, I have a podcast. <laughs> and so now she's going to be a guest on my podcast. And that's exciting. And that's like, awesome. it, it doesn't actually exist quite yet, but I got her information. So, you know, I think it's going to be like, we all face different challenges. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just want to have safe conversations about how to live a hopeful life, but not in a like rainbows and unicorns kind of way. That's like, right. everything's perfect. I mean, like, I want to talk about the hard stuff and how we bring light into the darkness and, you know, just help give a place for that conversation. And maybe people, you know, could take away things that they can, you know, do in their own life or, you know, just be inspired by so many remarkable people that I've crossed paths with that have a story to tell. So it's just a platform for us to extend beyond, you know, our story collection here at Hope Scarves has thousands of stories and the podcast will just be another medium for us to get them out there. Yeah. And I love that you just talked to her too and 
said, Hey, tell me your story. Cause I know that a lot of times and my mom's experienced this just with wearing her, you know, her caps and she doesn't have hair. And even at the grocery store, people will like kind of avoid looking at her or whatever, cause mm-hmm. they don't know what to say. And they, it's like, they just don't want to get into it. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. I've got a friend with um, a boy with some special needs and it's kind of the same thing. It's like, she said, you know, he stopped being invited to birthday parties and different things. Cause it's like, parents just don't know. They mm. don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to address it. And mm-hmm. so what are some things that we as moms can do to help support other moms that are facing cancer? Or just we as human beings. I don't yeah. even have to be a mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can we just be nice people? Yeah. In this yeah. <laughs> just be supportive to each other. Yeah. Anyway, so here's my biggest thing. And I am, I'm also, I'm totally guilty of this myself. So when I give this advice, it's not, I, I have, I have been guilty of doing the same thing, but I tell people all the time when somebody posts, you know, that they diagnosed with cancer or a loved one has died or like they, you know, whatever their challenge they're facing, don't say, I'm so sorry. Let me know what I can do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because you basically just put the responsibility of asking for help on the person facing the trauma. And we just talked about how hard that is for us to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So like, I've, I have got, I mean, people say that to me all the time and I, and I have been guilty of saying it to others, I admit, but it's like, like, I'm going to be like, can you run to Target for me and pick up these five things? Like I'm going to call somebody out of the blue and I'm sure they right. would, but it is so hard to ask for help. So yeah. I always encourage people like to think of, uh, like just to think of something you can do and it can be mm-hmm. as simple as like if it's springtime, like plant their pots, you know, mm-hmm. or bring over a bunch of, bunch of flowers to put in their pots. Or like if there's snow on the ground, just like show up and shovel, like mm-hmm. just do things that show love without putting the pressure on the person to ask for your help. Yeah. And it can be mm-hmm. as simple as a Starbucks gift card. It can, you know, mm-hmm. it can be as simple as just a note. And like, you know, I saw this and I thought of you and I just, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I'm thinking of you. And um, I think that that's really powerful when people just mm-hmm. extend love without being asked. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, so that's my, my, probably my biggest, my biggest thought is that, you know, just initiate the, the love and initiate the support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know people have said like, I want to bring you dinner. Does this day or this day work better? Yeah. And do you have any dietary restrictions <laughs> or something where it's just like, okay, I don't even have to ask or anything. Right. It's just... Well, it's frozen lasagna. Don't go bad. Yeah. Yeah. I always bring a frozen lasagna. <laughs> yeah. it's, it doesn't go bad. You're like, yeah. just stick it in the freezer like, and when you I need just, it, you need it. I wanted to bring this over to you. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I just think I, I rarely is a sign of support ever wrong. You know? Right. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Like, instead of like, hey, I'd love to bring you dinner. Let me know when. <laughs> Like be like, so what are you going to do? Call making, up? Yeah. I'm making chicken noodle soup. I'm going to bring a, I'm going to bring a container over. It'll be in your, you know, in a little cooler by your back door. Mm-hmm. Like just, you know, just find ways that you can just show love. And, you know, even if that person doesn't eat the soup or maybe they didn't like chicken noodle soup, like you, you just showed up. You tried. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, every time, every week we do a murky motherhood moment of the week. Mm. But do you have a murky motherhood moment for this week? Oh, goodness. well, it doesn't have to be this week. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. 
Oh, I have I have tons of Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's see. Let's think about. Um, hmm. Well, I definitely felt some motherhood challenges this past weekend when my my oldest son is a freshman in high school, and he wanted to have um, a girl come over and had his friend. He had there were two boys at my house, and they each have a girl that they like, and so. Um, I just kind of like approached it like a play date. Like I was like having ideas <laughs> of things I could do. And, you know, I was like, you guys, it's a beautiful day. You guys should go play tennis and da, 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 da. And they looked at me and they were just like, oh my God, mom, get out of here. <laughs> I, my heart just broke. Like I was just like, oh, okay. Okay. Um, and I, you know, it's completely age appropriate, you know, but yeah. pushing away of, as a mom, even though you know they're supposed to, is so murky. I mean, you just want to like, so, you know, then I'm like the rest of the day, like the girls come over. I'm like, hey. <laughs> hey, like, what's I'm up? Not, I'm, I, you know, I'm like, I'm cool. It's fine. Kids are in the basement. You know, I'm yeah. like, hi, I'm Mrs. McGregor. How are you? You know, like I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, I got to be chill. I just gotta, you know, I'm going to be cool. cool and then, mom. you know, I'm like, I think I need to check on the laundry. And my husband, Jay, was like, no, Lara, you don't. The laundry's fine. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. I need to go down there and like, check out. I need to do some laundry. I am not yeah. sure how many lights are on. You know, like, I could not, like, the whole time I was just, like, pacing the floor. Like, I was just, like, trying to be, you know, like, I was like, I just want to go. And Jay's like, you really just want to go down and sit on the couch with them, don't you? Like, I was like, yeah, I do. I do. I, was, I uh-huh. always think I'm going to be, like, the Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. I'm totally going to be, like, that mom. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. With my juicy tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you make your way. You know, I think that the teenage parenting is like, I feel like it's just like every other like stage that happens when things change, you know, like, so like diapers to underwear mm-hmm. and like baby food to solids. Like you got to like figure out what's in the diaper bag and you got to bring different stuff and you got to be planned, you know, planned differently. And so then they're like teenagers and you're like, okay. But then they, like, also don't want you around, and they also don't want to talk to you, and they also, like, you're just like, ah, how did this, how do I do this? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're, I mean, my son is, like, six foot one, so I'm, like, he's way bigger than me, and it's just a weird parenting transition, and I'm sure I will adjust, but I'm very much in the murkiness of, like, how to, how to have a high schooler. (laughs) Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. I already have. You have middle school first though, right? Middle school. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's like a whole nother story. Yeah. Or Bennett? do you do junior high? Because we Bennett? had junior high. Well, the same thing. They call it middle. I mean, be- middle school for us is sixth through eighth grade. Yes. So okay. Bennett yeah, so is, a, is. is a sixth grader. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one new to sixth grade, you know, new to middle school this year and one new to high school. So like everything's new for both of them and like yeah. figuring out, you know, the social dynamics and that, you know harder academic you know mm-hmm. and yeah it's been rocky Ooh, it's I like they're not. they're like physically exhausting when they're little and you have to like wrangle them into bed and like carry them around you know like mm-hmm. physically like wearing you down and then when they get to be like tweens and and teenagers it's like so emotionally and mentally exhausting it's yeah. totally a different kind of parenting mm-hmm yeah. Well, we have that to look forward to. No, no. <laughs> Boarding school. <laughs> Boarding school. My, Sorry, Hat. You're my right. eight-year-old is, 
I don't know. How, I how 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 early is too early to go to boarding school? Right. <laughs> I already told Eric I'm gonna look for a job that I can do from Europe, and I can live there from the time Elise is like I don't know thirteen. I thought to... We were going to Aruba. Oh yeah, Aruba. Oh. Oh my god. We decided we're done with snow and we want sunshine. Sunshine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Do you have Ricky Motherhood moments? Um well my daughter is now a pescatarian. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. She doesn't like any meat. So um I asked her this morning, I said, Do you want a turkey sandwich or do you want peanut butter and jelly? And she was like, Mom, you already know the answer. And I'm like, I don't. And she's like, Well, I don't like peanut butter and I don't eat meat anymore. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, well, I was like, if you're not going to eat meat, you have to have protein. So peanut butter has protein. She's like, fine. <laughs> so so she's very dramatic. She's very grown up for her age. And the, the issues that we face with her, I'm like, I was not prepared for this for at least another four years. <laughs> she's a pescatarian. I know. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Mm. Just dealing with all of those quirky things. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, things to look forward to. Yeah. Um, mine was we had a snow day yesterday, mm-hmm. which snow days are always so fun. That was what our sixth snow day this yes. year. Which poor children it. are going to like not even have a summer break at this point. Yeah. Um, and so Hattie was very upset because yesterday was supposed to be the hundredth day of school, mm-hmm. and so we we're dressed up like an old lady today. But then she didn't want to do it after like we got all set up. She went yes today looking like an old lady, but like begrudgingly after all of that. So. <laughs> We'll see how we'll see how she did at school today. So yeah. see what her see what she looks like when she comes but, home. But for the you know when you have dark hair, you can use dry shampoo and spray it, and it looks gray because it doesn't like if you don't you don't like shake it in. Uh-huh. So she had gray hair, and she thought that was kind of weird. Uh-huh. I thought it was amazing, but you know, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> they don't celebrate it anymore in second grade. I, at least oh, it's like okay. we don't do that. Oh. I'm like, oh, you're too old for. So it's like a day. kindergarten first thing. I think so. Oh. Well, Too I, cool. that's yeah. I was like, it's only one time ever you have to get to do this. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I lied to her. Uh, you know. Not the first time. Right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us yeah. today. It was great talking to you and hearing your story and about all of the fantastic things you're doing. And we'll link to um, your blog and all that good stuff in the show notes. Yeah. So that people can find you. And I, and I will say we'll probably have guests again because this was lovely. I know. Was yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Well, nice. I'm glad. Thank you for the fun conversation and chance to talk about motherhood and share the Hope Scarf story. It's been really fun. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Mama, thanks for joining us today. We hope you loved this week's episode. Be sure to tune in every Monday for a new episode with Jen and Audrey, and be sure you're following us on Instagram at Murky Motherhood.